Well, well, welcome to 2X E-Commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Kenei, answers them. Also hear from proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me, and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. So on the inbound marketing strategies, how do you beat Amazon? Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have an account process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency that we just talked about times uh, your customer lifespan. I'm Kune Campbell. Let's get rolling. With retail moving online, finding a good domain name has become ever so important. But the challenge is that most decent.com addresses are either difficult to acquire or unavailable. The good news is that retailers now have a powerful alternative with the .store domain name. A .store domain name will be short, relevant, and directly associate your site with e-commerce and retail. Search engines give .store domains the equal attention and importance as .com TLDs. .store domains have already been adapted by top brands such as Emirates. So if you check out Emirates.store, you get to a store there, Jimi Hendrix, so Jimi Hendrix.store, and F1 Formula One, F1.store. If you want a short and snappy domain name for your retail brand or your online store, you can now get a .store domain for just £4.99, which is about $6.99, using the coupon code 2XSTORE. That's 2XSTORE on get.store. Just go to get.store in your search engines and use 2XSTORE. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. It is a game-changing email automation tool specifically built for scaling e-commerce businesses. I'm not just saying it. I use Clavio in my e-commerce store and in stores I advise for. Household names in the e-commerce space such as Brooklyn Inn, Bonobos and Chobis use Clavio. Here's why. Clavio has one of the most impressive feature sets in the e-commerce email personalization space at the moment. Besides the one-click setup, Clavio's Pixel tracks visitor behavior to help you set up highly effective custom email funnels. Clavio also offers pre-built autoresponders for cart abandonment, upsells, and win-back campaigns. Clavio's most game-changing feature is its Facebook audiences integration, which helps your email list to sync up with your Facebook ad campaigns. So as you continue to scale up your store, Clavio will help automate a lot more sales. Try Clavio today on Clavio.com, spelt K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Hi guys, hi guys. This is Kune Campbell of the 2X e-commerce podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to strategic growth for online retailers. You, my listeners, either ask me questions or I bring someone really clever, someone who is, you know, a professional, someone who's was expertise you know such matter expertise in um in e-commerce or in marketing to share you know knowledge about you know um about e-commerce on today's show um i have someone with me by the name of Kale moore 
Kale Moore is a freelance writer who specializes in blog content for e-commerce brands um, such as Big Commerce, and she also contributes to INT Magazine and Entrepreneur.com. I've um, met um, I met Kale through Kale through um, through we 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 write together in um, in Big Commerce through Big Commerce. Kale, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to to put a voice to the person I've spoken with a couple times over email. Thanks, thanks. Same here, same here. Um, so you 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 write for e-commerce brands. We we met um well through a mutual friend um Tracy Wallace in in big commerce and um you you actually featured me in an INC you know um you know magazine article and um I see you're really active not just in the e-commerce space but but also the SaaS space um which is really really interesting because i think um listeners who are predominantly e-commerce uh, in the e-commerce you know world can gain a lot of insights from SaaS. um so, so yeah could you just introduce yourself um you know um take a minute or two to, to introduce yourself so we could you know dig you know a bit further into 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 this episode of course. So I primarily work with e-commerce and, like you said, software as a service companies. Um, the people I work with are all over the world. I'm located, though, in central Illinois in the USA. Yeah. And um, I have been doing this for about four years full time. And most of the time I spend my days creating blog content for these types of clients. And I, I also contribute, like you said, to a couple different publications, um, sharing just kind of what I've learned from working with these companies and working, you know, researching and writing about the topics that they they cover for their customers. Um, and so uh, it's kind of interesting because I also had an e-commerce store myself for about five years. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so w- tell me about it. Let's talk about that. That's new. I, I didn't realize it. Tell me. Let's just... Yes. What did you so, sell? When I was 19 and in college, I started an Etsy store. I started over on Etsy. Um, and I had a vintage jewelry company where I designed and made, I, it was mostly I assembled. You know, I bought all the pieces, I put the things together. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for five years. And um, it was it was pretty successful. I, I learned a lot about marketing from hands-on work that I was doing and experimentation with testing things with email and social media. Mm-hmm. Of course, social media was a little bit different back then, mm. um, but it was it was a great learning experience and I kind of parlayed that into the writing that I do now. Fantastic. So you, you got all your experiences, you, you consolidated it and um, you know, that's part of, you know, um, um, some of the firepower you have behind your writing, which, which is fascinating, really, really good stuff. Um, so, with with the Etsy stuff, you 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 managed. You put the the jewelry together, and um, you you sold through um, through through Etsy. Um, <clears throat> what were your what what were your key? What would you say you learnt? You know, um, you know, running the the, the Etsy store. What what the key points in terms of like from a growth perspective? Um, you you have sort of you know taking what's one thing actually what's one learning point from your etsy store yeah the the biggest thing i took away from that experience was the power of email marketing for Mm -hmm. sure it was the the biggest driver of sales um far more than social media far more than any other thing i i tried and tested over the five years that i had the store if i sent out an email it would convert it would do it would just do so much better than everything else so i really focused on building my email list 
staying in touch with people through that through that medium and just being really good to the subscribers that I had so that they felt value for being on my list and for opening my emails and and it just it served the business very well as a whole fascinating really really interesting so I suppose you you were um, you, you, your business is running a lot of repeats business and loyal you know loyal customers for sure. And like I said, email, you know, anytime I had a promotion going on or anything like that, I would reach out to the lo- loyal people I had built up over the years and mm. they would support again and again and again. And I think that's probably very true still today. Absolutely. I agree with you. Totally, totally, totally. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's start off with, um, with e-commerce trends. I think we're, we're in 2017 now. Um, e-commerce is fast growing. Um, there's, um, a lot of movement in the SME space. Um, there's um, there also SME or sm- small small medium enterprises, small medium businesses space, and um, there are lots of rapid growth stories. Um, so, I think we should start off with what you think are the components, especially from because you do a lot of research um, for, mm-hmm. for, for when you write. What do you think are the building blocks for companies looking to rapidly grow 10x, you know, their their businesses in a space of 12 to 18 months? Um, the big, the first thing I think of, the thing that I write about almost all the time is the experience. You know, they say that as soon as 2020, the customer experience is going to be the main competitive difference between all these companies who sell similar products and compete on price and all that. So having a really strong customer experience, not just in customer support, but kind of across the board from how you interact on social media to how you um, deliver online experiences through the website. I think that that's extremely important to look at in detail and not just kind of think about it from a customer service standpoint. It's actually much, much broader. So that's, that's the big one for sure. Okay, so what companies do you think are doing customer experience really well? Um, I, one of the first people that come to mind for me is, uh, campaign monitor. They're an email service provider. Mm -hmm. Um, and they are just, they focus so much on customer experience. They do a fantastic job of tailoring content to exactly what their customers need in terms of answering questions and learning. Um, their user interface is fantastic. It's very simple and clean. Um, it seems like they've really perfected all of the different customer touch points across um, the, the many different ways that you can use their software. Interesting. Are you a customer of, of, of Campaign Monitor? I'm not. I'm actually not a customer, but it's something that I've been looking at more and more. And because they're so good, I would love to switch to them. So I will probably do that very soon. Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So let's break down customer experience. Um, so... Yeah, in so you, you just alluding to what you said earlier, um, customer experience is you know uh, well involves multiple touch points, um, the start of the user journey through to um, what the user the user actually interacts with, you know, on on, on interfaces and in, in terms of the user experience, and um, finally also um, post purchase experience, you know, customer mm-hmm. service, and it's blending everything you know together, I suppose to. Um, to, to, to making things customer centric, um, are there any philosophies or um, any sort of principles um, e-commerce you know um, business owners or e-commerce managers can um, learn you know from um, with regards to 
um, the building blocks, you know, understanding the building blocks of, of customer experience, um, like what Campaign Monitor, you know, does it. Yeah, I think feedback is a huge part of that process. Regularly reaching out to the audience to find out what's working, what's not, what needs to be improved. Really keeping a finger on the pulse of what your customers want and need by asking directly mm-hmm. is a is a huge part of successful customer experience across the board. And the companies that I've seen that do this really well, they're constantly doing focus groups or doing email surveys or doing on-site surveys. They want to know what their users want from them. And so often it's just a one-sided equation where they guess at what their customers want or they think they know, but they've never asked. Um, it's, it's the companies that collect the feedback and make those decisions based off of data um, that do this really, really well. Interesting. So, with regards to 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 getting to to getting feedback, um, where where do you start from? Do you do you do do you um, get feedback from existing customers, or do you get feedback from potential customers who've not quite you know closed in the sales loop? I think it's both. I think if you're just getting started, obviously starting with the customers that you already have is is the most logical way to start. Email is a great way to start. You know, just a simple email survey is an easy way to start gathering some feedback. Of course, there are much more complex and involved ways you can gather feedback, but that's just a really simple way. You know, whether it's a survey or a net promoter score where you just have somebody rate you from one to 10, how likely they are to recommend you. Mm-hmm. Um, those are that's a great starting point And you can really build it from there. OK, um, right. OK, so you, you get that, which is really brilliant. What how do you prioritize um, feedback you, you get? So you get all the data coming in um, from some from, you know, um, existing customers, others from people who haven't quite, you know, made the sale. Where do you start as an e-commerce business? You have to look at the things that impact your bottom line first, and do and fix those things first. So it's kind of it's kind of a conversion rate optim, optimization standpoint on this. You have to look at the things that are either hurting your conversion process or are keeping customers from checking out in some way. Those are the things that you have to fix most immediately, and then just kind of work down from there. Because as soon as you can make those changes that improve um, the sales funnel and get people moving through and checking out more often mm-hmm. everything else is kind of secondary to that when it comes to e-commerce precisely precisely i agree i agree okay um so yeah uh, that's a really really good point um with regards to, to getting feedback and being very customer centric um so what other you know areas like um i know we we talked about prior to this call um like e-commerce products page trends um how important you know are they and what kind of trends are you seeing um in e-commerce you know um e-commerce paid product page design what key trends are you seeing in in this area and um but before i even you know move into that um i suppose let's talk about conversion rate optimization um what are your thoughts on conversion rate optimization in, in, in general um, and the importance of conversion rate optimization in e-commerce businesses? Now, the thing that always kind of gets me in trouble as a writer is that I have this stance on conversion rate optimization that it's not a science. You know, a lot of it is based on assumptions and you really don't know. Even, even the conversion uh, copywriters and the people who really know how to make 
um, systems and words and processes convert. They're really just testing assumptions. You know, a red button might not work as good as a green button on completely different sites. You know, there's no there's no one size fits all for this. So um, I think that it's really about just testing everything. Again, collecting feedback is an easy way to find out what's working and what's not in terms of the whole conversion rate process. And just just learning, constantly learning, constantly testing. It's not a, okay, we're going to do this for three to six months and then drop it. You know, it's an ongoing process that you have to keep working on and, and perfecting over time. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, with regards to, to, to conversion rates, you know, um, optimization CRO, <clears throat> would you, um, what about learning from observation? Um, so, you know, um, studying like heat maps and, um, you know, eye, eye, eye movement, you know, eye flow movement. What, what are your thoughts on, or, or mouse flow, you know, movements, mouse movement? Um, would you say passive um, observation would, you know, would be another layer of getting feedback, you know, so you could directly get feedback from a customer by asking them, um, you know, what they feel about stuff. Um, I'm one of those customers that never, you know, answers surveys. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts about, you know, um, you know, getting feedback, studying feedback from, from trends, you know, um, from, from, from interaction and trends? I think it kind of has to be a multi-layered approach. So the data from heat maps and things like that, that's one layer. And then the feedback that you're directly reaching out to customers for, that's another layer. And if you keep all of this information stored in one place and you can kind of look for patterns, look for trends, that's going to be a lot more informative than trying to base every single change or every single optimization off of one layer of data. If you have multiple layers, if you have lots of rich customer profiles that you can look at and really study with the, taking a deep, deep dive into this information, that's going to be a lot more beneficial to the company um, than just kind of saying, okay, well, we're going to base everything off of this, this one little segment of data. It's like taking one, one slice out of a really big pie and then basing everything off of that. Mm, makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, so um, from a conversion rate optimization standpoint, um, what page types or what category of pages would you jump right into to, towards optimization? I know you talked about, um, you know, the bottom line, you know, pages or you know things that affect the bottom line is what you'd address. You know, first you hit hit in the bottom, everything kind of falls quite secondary. Um, in in that vein, um what what pages would you or what page types would you um would you tackle first um definitely the checkout page that would be the first one product pages would be secondary but i think the checkout page there's always in most cases that i've seen there's a lot of room for cleaning up for you know adding some helpful customer service features or doing things that help customers overcome those obstacles they encounter at the very end of the conversion process where, you know, they're debating, do I actually want to follow through with this purchase? There are a lot of things that you can do in that environment that can really improve your, um, your sales numbers and even your average order value sometimes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> I suppose uh, I was reading something um, yesterday about um, the psychology of like impulse purchases and um, the threshold so um like 10 years ago 
um, I was reading articles from various years. So 10 years ago, an impulse purchase online was considered anything less than like five, six dollars. And, and now an impulse purchase is well under $40 um, wow. or like, you know, 30, 30 you know, um, which would be 30 pounds for, for you guys in the UK listening. And um, I suppose my question with checkout is, do you design, um, should you take a different approach depending on, you know, the the value of um you know the, the product you're you're selling um yeah as in because products are, are all different or do you just take a, a single approach um with, with you know with well-tested um principles and yeah that's a page. that's a good question i it's it's kind of difficult to know because like you said every business is so different but i will say that there are kind of blanket trends and and tactics that seem to work really well on the checkout screen things like adding the the timer for free shipping or adding a timer for next day shipping or a quantity you know one left in stock things like that are fantastic for kind of tapping into the psychology of scarcity and urgency and getting people to follow through rather than abandoning their cart and never coming back again makes sense okay okay um and then um when then what what are your what's your take on conversion rates um uh, i have come across really successful sites um with less than one percent you know conversion because they they work on volume and um they they the average order value is quite high um and on the flip side i've come across sites with five percent conversion rates and um you know um just due to the you know average order value of you know their site they're not you know um you know, they're not passing the, the seven figure obviously it's it's down to volume um what in your opinion um and experience is is a good conversion rate you know at checkout or you know generally in, in e-commerce i think anywhere from two to ten percent is good i think most people probably fall in the two to six percent range mm-hmm. um it it varies a lot based on you know how customers are arriving at the site in the first place there are a lot of factors that influence that equation. But, um, you know, I think people kind of beat themselves up sometimes, especially when they're new to e-commerce about a low conversion rate. They think 3% is is not good. They think, oh, man, out of 100%, I'm not doing good at all. Um, but 3% is very average. It's actually very good. And, and when you think about all the opportunities there are nowadays to to even you know encourage the people who didn't maybe convert that first time to come back and purchase later, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not a it's not a metric that people should be upset about if it's very low. Interesting. What are your what what the, like your learning points um, from the software the service industry um, in e-commerce in the context of e-commerce since you work in both worlds, especially from a CRO perspective? Um. Like what? I'm um, sorry. So, so, so what? What could e-commerce, you know, businesses um, learn from from software as a service business in terms of um, oh. their their approach to conversion rate optimization and testing in general, um, or areas in e-commerce that could be greatly improved um, from a CRO standpoint um, that way. Um, we're still, you know, kind of lagging behind because I, I suppose. SaaS companies actually, you know, are trailblazers. They they set the standards, mm-hmm. you know, right across, um, you know, yeah, the right across, you know, digital marketing at, at the minute. Mm-hmm. No, I think a big thing that that you can learn kind of from both industries, 
SAS is doing this especially, but they really focus on education. So giving the customer or potential customer for that matter, every piece of information they could possibly need mm. at the exact right moment. So they're using marketing automation a lot to do that. They're delivering, you know, follow-up drip campaigns that educate the customer over time and kind of work them through the sales funnel. Um, that's definitely something that e-commerce could, could take and do as well. So, you know, not every customer needs a ton of education around specific types of products. Um, but if it's something like a running shoe, for example, and the customer is not exactly sure what kind of running shoe they need, delivering some education around that, even on an ongoing basis after the user has this, has left the page, mm-hmm. if you can get an email address and continue that conversation, continue adding value to the conversation, educating, teaching, there's going to be a greater chance that they'll come back and complete the purchase rather than if you just let them leave and not do anything to follow up with them and keep that conversation going. That is like super, that, that's great. Um, that's like, you know, the that's best point. That That is a great point. That is a really great point. You know, education and giving value, you know, um, well before a purchase that is so important and i think you know a lot of e-commerce businesses just focus on on commerce <laughs> um they mm-hmm. just focus on the sale which you know um does not which you know does not always you know drive that trust you know um over over time that that's a really 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 good point um <clears throat> so would you um merge a blogging strategy with um an education you know drive through automated email or would you just create evergreen content that um feeds into you know um email automation i think both are great for that and it's different people want different different types of content so having both is good for accommodating different customers and and what they want out of education. Um, I think also having just kind of those helpful FAQ pages or having something like a buyer's guide where they can self-educate and self-select the products that best fit their needs. That's another thing that SaaS does that e-commerce stores can steal, Um, especially if you have a lot of products and you have a big inventory that's kind of overwhelming to sort through. Having a resource or resources like that makes it much, much easier for the customer. Very, very good point. Hi. Uh, Okay, Um, let's move into product pages. Um, So what kind of trends are you seeing in um, on an e-commerce now that really working well and um, what stores are? know you know well ahead of the game with regards to the way they've um, designed their product pages so one of the things i'm seeing a lot of right now is user generated content and that's in the form of customer reviews customer photos um ratings even just a simple five star rating Um, that's really great information that prospective buyers are looking for these days because it's it's tough when you're buying something online. You can't hold it in your hand. You can't try it on. You want to see what other people actually thought. So it's a great form of social proof. It's a really powerful persuasion tool. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm seeing more and more businesses do that. One that does this really well is a women's clothing store called Free People. They have a ton of user-generated content on each product page. And I love that. It makes it really, really easy to see the product in action it's good context. It's just, it's great information. They do a nice job. How would you persuade, you know, um, customers to, to, to engage and, you know, because sometimes, you know, um, e-commerce businesses try, 
but did they try you know well enough and how, how do you think um you know this website for freedom um, people are, are you know are doing it that's a good question i don't know if they're incentivizing it at all i don't know if you get some sort of re- rewards or discounts for leaving reviews or sharing images on something like Instagram. I'm not sure, but I'm guessing with the volume that there is, I don't think that they have that many customers who just really, really love giving a company content like that. So they're, I think they're probably incentivizing it in some way. I would love to find out greater detail on that. Yeah, and it'd be interesting for e-commerce managers to actually, you know how we, we, we measure, this is just going off off, um, off point, but you know how we measure conversion rates, sorry, um, conversion rates, yes. Um, so mm-hmm. traffic to, to, to sales. It'd be interesting to also, you know, measure um, sales to, to reviews, you know, that kind of, um, you know, conversion, because that in itself is, a way to 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 probably gauge um um you know customer advocates oh um, for sure just you know if, if we could also have those metrics and dashboards i think it would be you know quite interesting for for um for for, for, for e-commerce businesses to to gauge virality you know and um, yes just, i would i would love to see something like that yeah. that'd be incredible mm, mm. that's very very interesting okay so um user generated content um are, you, are there any other key um any other key 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 things um the best in in class e-commerce you know businesses are doing on their product pages one other thing i'm seeing more and more of that i think is kind of interesting is the use of cinemagraphs and gifs or Mm. gifs however you say that um but again in a in an environment where you can't see the product or touch it or hold it or try it on having a moving image like that video is another one i mean i'm seeing more and more video as well but seeing these really in-depth visuals that give strong context to the product page instead of just a static image or even just a Mm mock-up, especially for clothing. Um, I love this. I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great way to not only draw the the visual aspect of of the person's interest that's looking at the page, but to, I don't know, give them a different aesthetically pleasing way to review the product before they buy. I, I think it's a great idea. Absolutely, I agree. And they um they 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 also kind of drive um um more surprise and delight than a video where you have to play. So they almost pop pop out of the screen if, if that makes sense you know gifts they do yeah uh, because um, you don't know what to expect you think they're static and um you know they they give you another angle you know for the product that's interesting yes, absolutely i i think they're great yeah yeah okay 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 um are there, are there any other you know um points uh, any just one more point on, on product pages you, you you think um we're not doing well enough in e-commerce space I don't know why any e-commerce company out there right now would not have the option to have a customer opt in for a restock notice. I think that that's a great way to not only inform reorders and stock, you know, you know what products are doing really, really well, um, but, but by having a, a ready-made list of people who want to buy a product that may be sold out in their size or the color they wanted or whatever it may be, um, having a feature like that is just a great sales tool, and it's it's I think a must-have for a product page in 2017. It's a very very good point. Very very good point there. We should be doing that. Okay, okay. Um, let's jump into um, your forte, which which is copywriting, um, and you're a brilliant copywriter, and especially when it comes to, to to marketing content, you know, um, and, and growth marketing and growth, you know, um, content. Um, what talking points? What formulas? 
um, what works on product pages? What do you think is the word count? Do you, are you a believer in um, in text heavy or content heavy product pages? Or um, do you believe in brevity on, on, on product pages? Because I think that's where most of the content, besides you know um, what you, you alluded to earlier, which is the buyer's guide, um, actually that's where the conversions actually you know transition from, mm -hmm. um, I was thinking about it, to the checkout, to the checkout page. I think that it's, I think you can do both and have it designed in a way that it accommodates both preferences. So what I mean is, um, you can have the brev the brevity and have the really short form copy, but by using the drop down features where if you click on the plus sign or whatever it may be, you can have more copy drop down when you're ready to look at it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to tackle that because then you have a really nice clean page to start with and then you're only showing the pieces of information that the customer wants to see when they want to see it. So it gives them more control over the information that you're displaying rather than just throwing all of that copy that can be extremely overwhelming on your product page. Got Having it. a drop-down feature makes it much cleaner. Got it, got it, got it. Um, okay, um, what about, um, <clears throat> how would you break down, um, I, I know this is like a really general question because um, if you're selling washing machines, it'd be totally different to if you're selling, you know, um, a pair of jeans but how would you typically break down what you want to see in the structure of um, you know um, copy especially on product pages I want to see I want to see a nice description of what the the product does you know I want I want the benefits over the features I mm -hmm. I always want benefits over features um, I want to see pricing information I want to know details about shipping and returns Mm -hmm. Again, those are sometimes secondary, so having those as a drop down is nice. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I really I depend on visuals when I'm evaluating a product online. Unless it's you know <laughs> there's a lot of similar products and it's it's a matter of materials that's that's making my decision. But um, I think it's it can be pretty basic most of the time, and and having those features over benefit is the biggest thing because um, or benefits over features. Sorry, because people want to know what problems a product is going to solve, I think, first and foremost. And, yeah. and taking that approach is a good way to do that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I don't recall who said this. Um, definitely not me, but um, like on the internet, people buy pictures, basically. Mm -hmm. they just buy That's pictures. true. Yeah. Yeah. They do, self-included. Yeah. <laughs> That's very, very, very interesting. Okay, so um, are there any other points from a conversion rate optimization um you know, standpoint from CRO copy standpoint, you think um, we have not sort of talked over that you think would be of, you know, benefit to, to the audience? I think that there is a value to having personality in your copy on your product pages, mm -hmm. having your brand voice kind of shine through rather than just dropping in either pre-populated descriptions or not really putting a lot of time in those. I think if you can give some personality on those pages, it connects better with the audience. Okay. And it's an opportunity to deliver a little bit of extra something to the to the shopper as they're on their shopping journey with you online. Mm -hmm. That makes, makes sense. Um, yeah, it, it, it just makes sense. Um, it's just, I, I've talked about it over and over again, over and over again on the show and, it's it's just having you know very personable you know um, you know yeah brand 
basically a very very personable brand mm-hmm. and if, if that sort of reflects on your copy um you you you, you create a distinct identity um for, for yourself there's um there's a company here in the uk called naked wines and they're a wine club and um when you're on their site when they send you emails um when you read stuff they send in like marketing flyers they send you know with their packaging you feel like you're talking to your neighbor your childhood neighbor you know or your your best your your your, your friend basically and they have mm-hmm. that conversational style and um there's a chap called Eamon um apparently the, so the <laughs> the company has an alter ego called Eamon <laughs> Eamon basically is naked wines you know and he's always writing hey Kone how are you doing you know um I was <laughs> I was going through a range of um of, of of wines and I'll be an idiot not to you know tell you about this <laughs> you know and it just goes on and on and on and I'm just sure I'm so sure that just creates delight you know in in customers at least for me I just find them personable and you know I you know I just um, I've been subscribed to them for over four years now and um, yeah it's, it's fascinating um, what um, personality can do in in copy right and so many people don't do it so the the few who do really stand out from the crowd for Absolutely. sure and and you know just data like in your about page you know a lot of um especially with, with this with new breed of direct-to-consumer you know e-commerce you know brands one of the most trafficked pages <laughs> is their about page people want to know mm-hmm. who are the people behind you know this brand you know <laughs> yep um, for of- sure <laughs> Lots of um, lots of lots of e-commerce businesses fail on that, you know, not not um, articulating a really good story, a really coherent story, and genuine story at that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, they missed the mark on that for sure. It's it's funny, it's funny. Um, Kali, I, I would love to have you on, you know, the show again. It's it's been really really interesting. You've given a lot of insights and good, you know, great talking points. So um, yeah, I expect to receive an email, you know, from me. <laughs> You know, anytime soon. But before I let you go, um, I, I tend to have um, ask. Um, I tend to have a lightning round, basically. The, the evergreen questions I ask um, my guest. Um, really quick questions require really quick answers. Um, so I am ready when you're ready. Okay, let's do it. Okay, um, what are your future plans? My future plans. I am working on a course. Uh, for freelance writers, well, for freelancers, any type of freelancers, with Paul Jarvis, and it's called The Creative Class, and it's coming out in the fall, and I just am going to be teaching other freelancers how to get into the world of freelancing, so I'm excited about that. Fantastic, fantastic. I would, you know, definitely be having a look um, in fall. Um, Okay, right. Um, What are the three indispensable tools for managing your business? Um, A good computer. Mm -hmm. I think especially for e-commerce, that's a big one. You got to have a reliable computer that you don't mind spending a lot of time in front of. Mm-hmm. Um, good tools for your platform, I think, are a big one, especially for, I mean, no matter what type of business you have. If you have a good platform, whether it's invoicing or your, your e-commerce platform or your email provider, having good systems that are reliable and help you deliver a really strong product and a professional representation of yourself make your life so much easier. So sometimes they do require a little bit of an investment, but they're very much worthwhile. I agree. Totally agree. Okay. And number three? Um, the third one would probably be, oh gosh, 
Um, this is so tough. Um, maybe a good chair. That seems kind of silly off the top of my head. But again, if you're spending a lot of time in front of your computer and you that's your job and you have to do it, having a really nice chair is important because otherwise your back will hurt and then you'll be unhappy and miserable. Absolutely. I use a her- health, health is wealth. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, uh, that's a really good point and sorry, and a really good tool. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, all right, this is a curveball one. Everybody kind of, you know, um, thinks about this once for, for a minute or two. What's been your best mistake to date? By that, I mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback. Um, when I started freelancing by myself, I tried to be everything to everyone. I, I offered a ton of services. I offered a ton of, I, I didn't specialize for one group of customers. Mm. And so that was a huge mistake for me because I wasn't reaching anyone. I wasn't connecting with anyone. And I think e-commerce people probably do that too. Mm. It wasn't until I really shifted my focus to e-commerce and software as a service and a very specific group of customers that my business started growing and people started seeing me as an expert and being interested in what I had to say. And so that's the big lesson for me. Really, really. No, I, I totally agree with you. Same situation. <laughs> We're kindred spirits there. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, I agree. Um, I was quite general too. Um, and I was anything, I would speak to a small business and one day and then, you know, next day I'll whiz myself off to London. I'm trying to pitch to an enterprise. It's just like, you know, all over the place. Okay. It was too much, too, too, too much. Great stuff there. Okay. What, what piece of advice, um, can you, or would you like to give what, just one piece of advice would you like to give to listeners looking to 2X their business in the next, um, quarter? That's the big one. I mean, It was many years ago that I closed my e-commerce store, but with the work I'm doing now and all the companies that I work with across the board, that is the one thing that remains true is that email is kind of king of, of growth and driving sales. And so focus on building your list, focus on really personalized emails that drive sales and get people coming back to your website. That's, that's so important. Okay, great stuff. That makes a lot of sense and loops back to, to what you said in the very beginning. Okay, so final question. If you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be? Um, this is probably a very vanilla answer, but I feel like uh, Seth Godin's Purple Cow is a good one. Um, it's just a nice reminder to... There's so many good lessons. I can't distill it into a single thing, but I learned a lot from that book. It's very simple. It's not a lot of marketing fluff or jargon or anything like that. It's just, it has a lot of good, simple takeaways that you can implement and make actionable right away. So that's my one. Fantastic. I have the book right here and I haven't read it. It's a shame. I would. Oh, it's so good. Put it on your list. Absolutely. 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 It's been fantastic you know having you on on here Kali. and um i this would not be the last um um of our conversations um many many thanks thank you it was very very fun speaking with you and i i enjoyed it a lot thanks so much great stuff so that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2x e-commerce remember you can catch me every week 
and also send your questions and comments on Twitter using the hashtag 2XEcommerce. Keep yourself in the loop by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. It only takes a few seconds and it means you'll get the most up-to-date episodes to help you grow your online store. Do have a good one till I catch you on the next show. Bye-bye.